this. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, how you doing? Well, um, just had a sneezing attack, but I'm doing okay other than that. Uh, it's about... I'm I'm doing okay. I don't know how how are you doing? Doing okay. Doing okay. It's the we're recording this on the last day of January, and I'm so happy because when you think about all the months in the NFL offseason, and yes, in about less than two weeks we'll have the Super Bowl, but you have free agency, franchise tag talk, um, OTAs, NFL draft. We have the Senior Bowl this week, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But there's something every single month in an NFL offseason as soon as we get into February. So I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to get into it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm too hyped. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready to get in. I, uh, it feels early, but most of the time I don't know anybody before the senior bowl. And now I mostly know nobody. Great. We're going to talk about those people. I, w- I was going to say nobody's in a minute, but they're not nobodies. They are humans and they are college athletes who we're going to break down and talk about if anybody stands out, all of that fun stuff at the Senior Bowl in our next segment. But I actually want to start with Duke Tobin. Speaking of the Senior Bowl, um, he mentioned T. Higgins. He mentioned Jamar Chase. This quote I thought was very timely when we get into this offseason, when it when we talk about the franchise tag, what they're going to do with T. Higgins and more. He, he was asked about the wide receiver group. He said, we like Jamar. He's in our long-term plans. He's a higher-level player in this league, and we want to keep guys like those kind of players on our team. I want T. Higgins back. Everyone on the team wants T. Higgins back. There's a pie, and there are things we can do and can't do because of it. We'll see. Did you take anything away from that quote? It's just less optimistic than last year about like get your own when asked about T Higgins, but also he wasn't directly asked if he would trade T Higgins was, I don't, I don't believe so. Not that I, that I heard this is um, yeah. from Jeff Hobson over on bangles.com. Yeah. So it's less optimistic, but he also did not, I know this sparked the whole thing. He didn't say we're fielding offers or uh, anything like that. I I'm still at like an 85-ish percent chance that I think they just tag and play him on the tag this year. Mm -hmm. I think T, his agent, said something about like he has no interest in playing on the tag. And it's like, yeah, they said that about Bates too. (laughs) Bates before training camp ended was like (laughs) texting Dax Hill. (laughs) They tried to give him advice like, you know, he was coming back. I think it's going to be true about T as well. It doesn't seem like, the agent can play hardball, but if the player seems like they are willing, I feel like it's hard to do that. This feels a little bit like the Bengals doing it back. Just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we can't pay him type of thing. He's asking for so much money. So not a ton to take out of this. I think it sparked some debate. I think that's about it. Yeah, I think in general, um, I I felt so many different ways. I think if you were to ask me going into last season, last offseason, what I thought about when it comes to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I would have thought you've got to learn how to pay both of them. I mean, listen to Duke Tobin. you got to draft your own guys. Stay away from his. He's going to bring T. Higgins back. Then as we started to get into regular season, really thought about it a lot. And I've said this a few times because I always feel like you have to have a disclaimer if you don't agree with the – 
pay T Higgins crowd. Um, and not that T Higgins doesn't deserve that. He will get a bag. If it's not in Cincinnati, he will get a bag eventually as a wide receiver, a top wide receiver. You can rank him however you want. I've always said it felt like Cincinnati had two wide receiver ones and he would be a wide receiver one on a lot of NFL teams. And if Jamar Chase wasn't on this team, he'd be wide receiver one uh, right now, solo by himself. But for me personally, I think so many different ways I would love for, and I think this is kind of where the franchise is going, but anything is possible because I thought Von Bell was coming back last year. I didn't see Jermaine Pratt coming back and obviously a little bit of a different conversation at those position groups when it comes to money. But for T Higgins, I'm kind of just rolling with, they're going to franchise tag him. And that's probably going to be it in Cincinnati. And there's also questions that follow up with that is what if another front office calls you when you do announce you're going to do the franchise tag, because they'll have to do that at the end of February, early March um, to make that final decision. They'll obviously wait till the very last minute to make that announcement because they don't have to announce it right away. But $22 million, that's a lot of money for one player for one year. And for T Higgins, if there was anybody who would think, Oh, he's not going to play under that. He's not, he went from making 4 million to 22 million. That's a huge upgrade. Um, And I know it's not an extended, it's only a one year deal and you're kind of, you're, you're banking on that. You don't want to deal with any injuries. But $22 million is a lot of money to come play wide receiver. Um, I, I I see a lot of pros and cons in, in the whole scenario, even when you do talk about the franchise tag. Look, say the Bengals get their guy at 18. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a wide receiver. And you have a guy like T. Higgins. You have Jamar Chase. You have uh, Yoshi coming back year two. Charlie Jones. Tyler Boyd is more than likely gone. It seems like the best case scenario, but at the same time, it, what if what if Carolina calls you? What if that team in the first round, a late pick, calls and says, you know what, Cincinnati, we want them. Let's make a deal. Let's make a trade. Let's do something here. Um, all of those are absolute possibilities. And if you are a, an, a smart front office, you listen to every single possibility. You never just say like franchise tag gets over. We're not thinking about anything differently. Maybe behind closed doors, they think that way. But I think what Duke Tobin said, he wasn't banking on their franchise tagging him. They're going to trade him. You're going to let him walk. It was just, yeah, of course we, we want T here. The team wants T here. Of course they want T here. He's been a huge target for Joe Burrow. So for me personally, I feel so many different ways about it because I think about what $22 million could go to on other position groups on the roster, but I also don't want to lose T Higgins. And I don't think an extension is the best. I don't know if it's the best place to go. Yeah. Um, I would pay him. I don't think they will. So it feels like pointless to talk about like yeah. extension in my mind, 5% chance mm -hmm. <laughs> it's low. And uh, I kind of, felt this running on the wall but yeah to me i pay him because i think he's one of the best players on the team and i know he was injured didn't produce as much etc i think sure if, where i am on it is i would tag and play this year and then i'm i'm waiting for more smart people to tell me why it's a bad idea but like what what's wrong with tagging again the next year and then trading on that? Because I feel like you could get your ducks in a row a little bit better. I think that you'll lose out on value if that's the 
argument, which is why I think this year, somebody called with a first round pick or even Carolina at 33, let's say a top 40 pick. If somebody called with a top 40 pick and offered that for T Higgins, I'd, I'd be very tempted to take that, probably take that, especially with a first rounder. So that I, I am on that side of like, I would tag and trade him if the offer was there, but if they're not getting that offer, if it's like a second, like a mid or late second, I don't care, especially outside the top 40, mm-hmm. 50 players that I've got now. I'm probably not replacing him for that. Um, and anything about round three or later, it's like, well, there's no point. Like, I'll just let him walk to get a third. Um, I guess that's if you don't sign anybody. But I feel like losing both Boyd and Higgins, it's not that the offense would be bad. Mm-hmm. I think it would regress. I think it would move to like an average offense, depending on how it would move. That's how I mean, maybe above average, but that's kind of where I am. I, I, don't, I don't want know. him to go there. I don't want him to be average. So yeah, I don't either. But and the defense is bad right now, so I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. Like if you draft the right guy, it doesn't matter. Well, it, it'll matter. I don't think there's anybody they take at 18 that'll produce at T Higgins level, but maybe you can get that and you strike gold on a free age. I don't know. Like, maybe maybe it's not average, but it's definitely a regression. I don't think you can expect the same offensive output, the top five offense, even with Joe Burrow. With at least there'd be growing pains, like right, like even the Chiefs had growing pains when they let Tyree Kill go, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid leading that team. So I've heard that comparison, and while fair, we'll see. I we'll see. I. I I don't know. I, I'm a little bit tied up on it because maybe I'm thinking too much about what happened with the safeties. Maybe I'm underestimating what a rookie first round wide receiver could provide, but, and maybe I'm over it. The other part of this is who are they really signing with that money? Like you could talk about Matt BK. You could talk about Chris Jones. Let's be realistic. Who are the Bengals signing with that money? It's going to be like uh, their biggest free agent get will be who? I don't I think it's going to be on the defensive line to be honest. I think more money it's going to go right but back. But it won't be I don't think it'll be any of the top guys. Like the biggest free agent defensive lineman they get who do you think it would be? Cuz I I think Chris Jones is fantasy land if you're ever No, gonna... I don't think that's going to happen. I actually think he's going to stay in Kansas City. Um and I and I I I think you at the same time I I I I don't I don't know what when it comes to a big free agent who they're going to get, but they do have it, it I hate saying this. They have to go put money somewhere where they've already been putting money and it's not producing outside of Trey Hendrickson, really. Yeah. Um, and DJ Reader, who's I'm starting to feel He's like, also gone. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like DJ Reader is not coming back. I felt that way for a while. <laughs> I know. I was very optimistic because I was thinking, oh, you know, there's a possibility. There's a possibility. I don't think they're going to go that way. No, I, really, I don't. Hurt and he's 28 yep. or 29. So the Bengals aren't interested, even if. So when you, you put know, it that way. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I think they should be. I think, I think they should want him back. I think this defense, it's a major concern. Even if I think that Dax Hill and DJ Turner can play better next year, Cam Taylor Britt can take another step next year. Jordan Battle can get better next year. The linebackers should positively regress. Regression is not just negative. You know, it can yeah. be the other way too. I think they play below their standard. So it goes back to their standard. This defensive line without DJ Reader is kind of a disaster and not the edge group, but their interior right now. And then if I don't think that they're going to bring in a dude, like the best guy they might bring in, like was it Sheldon Rankins or? Okay. 
Grover, I've heard people bring up Grover Stewart. That drives me crazy because I'm like, just keep, just keep DJ <laughs> because Stewart's like 31. <laughs> like, what are, what? I mean, I guess the injury would be what you're concerned about. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I, what do you do with the money to make it worth getting rid of T Higgins? Because to me, I'm tagging, and we'll see yeah. about where that goes from there. I don't know. I, I could no. be wrong. Last thing I wanted to bring up was the 33rd team's writer Charlie Parkinson did a study on hit rate on first round picks and you the hit rate is basically if they got a second contract so in this you know there's going to be outliers like t higgins isn't getting a second round a second contract from the team so uh so that that wouldn't be a hit but it generally works for guys like jj arthaga whiteside or josh rosen or you know those type of guys mm-hmm. are like busts as well wide receiver hit rate 38% in the first round. Offensive tackle, 58.8. I, well, 38%. I, I just feel like we forget these wide receiver busts. Like we look at Jordan Addison and we're like, yeah, 900 yards as a rookie. Like, yeah, you take that. And then I know the Bengals, they develop these guys, et cetera. Et cetera. But, but then I, and then I look at, I don't know, you look at Quentin Johnston and all these other guys are like, well, that guy's not good. But we, I feel like we knew the Chargers missed that one as soon as they made the pick, and they should have they should have um, drafted Flowers. What about the guy everybody wanted over team? Um, what's his name from Baylor? Mims. Yeah. What about Mims? What, <laughs> what are the other Mims that got drafted this year? Marvin Mims. Here's what I want to say. I want to say Stay away from Mims. <laughs> I love T. Higgins. I would be extremely yeah. happy the day that they say, you know what, we're going to franchise have him. Like, great. One more year with T. Higgins, let's go. I don't think it's going to be anything beyond that. I think it has a lot to do with who reps him. And I just don't think they're trying to do business with David Malagata. Um, I, I, th- I It's very I unfortunate. It's very, very, very That's unfortunate. That's why I thought he was gone in the first place. Yeah. I'm, we can say the same thing for Joseph Asai. I know it's a different position group, but we could say the well, same thing for that what. That a little more affordable, but yeah, yeah, I do think he's gone. I, I think it's gone. I mean, the productions really hasn't been there um, last year, which was a huge disappointment. But I think with that scenario, I think, I, I think the Bengals will do the franchise tag. I just, at the same time, I want, I want you to look at this outlook of wide receivers, this wide receiver class, Daniel Jeremiah, so there was about 10 or 11 guys who it just really stands out for him when you think about top guys in the first round for wide receiver group. This is a loaded wide receiver class. The wide receiver class, just if you look at prospects and you think about college football and you think about guys year after year, it's only going to grow. This team does need to add another wide receiver. It might be in the draft. It might be free agency, even if they do franchise tag T Higgins. But one thing this team does is they always prepare a year ahead when it comes to some of these players leaving. I feel like it will be very telling at 18 if there's a possible offensive lineman there sitting there in the first round and they say, you know what? We have a higher grade on that wide receiver who fell to 18. We're going wide receiver because we have to think about the future when T. Higgins is no longer here. I I just think 2024 is it. And, and, you know, Duke's comments, you know, it doesn't really tell you one way or another. It's, it feels less optimistic but at the same time, we kind of always knew it was going to be Jamar Chase, the the number one. They were. I feel like they're going to do everything in their power to make Jamar Chase a Cincinnati Bengal for life, if possible. Right. What that number looks like ten years down the road, but they are going to do everything to keep those two together. I, okay. I just, yeah, go ahead. I I hear you. So I know you have to pay Jamar Chase. 
I feel like the Colts had to pay Marvin Harrison. Then they just, they also paid Reggie Wayne. It feels like you can pay that second guy, right? And this has been the downfall of the offense before. <laughs> we look at Marvin Jones and Mamas New leaving the same year, and they went, we'll bring in Brandon LaFell, and we'll draft Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd eventually became a really good player. Yeah. But not right away. And I just want to, you said Daniel Jeremiah says an awesome wide receiver class. T. Higgins draft class was an awesome wide receiver class. And you look at it, Henry Ruggs, miss, off the field, whole thing. Ooh, Jerry yeah. Judy, miss. C.D. Lamb, hit. Jalen Rager, miss. Justin Jefferson, hit. Brandon Ayuk, hit. T. Higgins, hit. Michael Pittman, hit. But, you know, there's a little bit in there that's, like, not great. And then I, the other class I remember, and this is one that <laughs> I think really points the other way, was 2015. Amari Cooper, hit. That's a top five pick. Kevin White. Miss Devontae Parker and eh. Nelson Aguilar. He's made a career, but I'd call that a miss for a first round pick. Rashad Perriman, miss Philip Dorsett, miss Devin Smith, miss Dorio Green Beckham, miss Devin Funches, miss <laughs> awesome wide receiver class. Those were the first two rounds. Was it like maybe, I'm names? Just, maybe I'm just optimistic. I'm still wanting the Brian. I'm Thomas. pretty optimistic that the Bengals can do it. The thing about Brian Thomas, and I have not watched him, but I yeah. did see the Brett Coleman, friend of the show, tweet that like 65% of his routes were goes or curls or hitches. It's like, okay, he's going to have to do a little more. And that's yeah. one I would love to draft him, sign a mid-level slot receiver, and let him kind of work his way in with T mm -hmm. and just kind of ease him ease him into this rather than throw him into the fire. So that that's just – Quick, I don't know. I'm kind of throwing a little bit of cold water on the idea that, ah, Cincinnati will be fine. They're so good with wide receivers and the draft. Look at all these guys in the draft. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm there. I think if they draft a guy, I would project him being good if mm -hmm. they draft a first-round pick. I just feel like we need to temper the expectation just a tiny bit of, like, you're picking at 18. You're not picking at 5 or 4 or 3. You know, yeah. It's a little bit later. Eventually, I need them to hit an offense alignment, and we'll get to the current offense oh, yeah. later in this podcast because it's still scary for me in the future. Uh, moving on to the Senior Bowl next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Little Senior Bowl talk. Jim Nagy and his crew do a fantastic job. Friend of the show, Parker Blake, is down there. Make sure you're following him. He has some spaces over on All Bengals. Uh, really great breakdown and work for some of these prospects and guys. And one of the things about the Cincinnati Bengals over the last few years, and honestly, the 2020 draft class really stands out for me when you think about guys like Logan Wilson, um, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Marcus Bailey. They got uh, a few of their players from the senior bowl and and they do um they pick a few in the, in the late rounds and obviously um it's been a nice few days of practice out there social media clips a lot of offensive linemen right now and i think cincinnati Bengals they are on the table at 18 for an offensive lineman if that future right tackle is currently there or maybe even a guard position when i, I know you're kind of just digging into the offseason now and you're going back and you're watching some of these tapes when you see some of these clips and kind of going back to senior bowl practice anybody stand out for you right now um, oh, I think, I mean, I'm just catching clips. I think Fuaga, I've got, in, it, I, I mean, I've only watched like three clips from him. Interesting. Uh, I've range, there's like a wide range on what people seem to think about him because there's plenty of people that think top 20 pick. There's a lot of Bengals fans that are like, Ooh, that would be a dream at 18. I've, I've got no idea. He's an Oregon state right tackle, a uh, little bit shorter armed. 
but Ooh, PTSD. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I could see it. Um, and then I do also saw. I, I also saw. Sorry, I did not do. Also saw. I also saw Brandon Thorne gave him a second round grade. So that kind of the, the a little bit of a red flag went up. Of like, okay, if a guy I really trust doesn't love him, I don't always agree with Brandon. That's the fun of these draft projects. They're all Rorschach tests to see what you think. But that just quick little red flag of like, there might be something underneath. So I don't know. The three clips I saw, he loves wide hands. He's he's not a puncher. He's not a guy that makes first contact very often. And he goes wide because he really trusts his ability to take power. And it worked great against Latu, who's also a first round projected player. When Latu, he went wide hands, Latu tried to go inside. He's able to ride him inside. The second time, I don't even know who the guy was, did move him quite a bit before he could anchor it in. Now, he did anchor it in. He stayed in front. He didn't fall over. He didn't, you know, give up the inside or the outside. But it felt like quarterbacks probably feeling that pressure a little bit. So that's interesting because I don't see a lot of guys do that. Lob- somebody called it like a lobster claw thing where they like get in both outsides and inside so that they have to try to go through you. And that's just kind of a, you're not be able to come through me and I'm going to stop you from going around around me. So you have to try to uh, found that interesting. But then there was another rep that he kind of held as the guy went around him around the outside. So I wonder about the range that he might have. I've seen some people call him a guard. I don't know. Feels fine to me. If you draft him and you try him at tackle and maybe you think he's a better guard, whole thing with me, put him at his best position. I know tackle is more valuable than guard. Put him at his best position. Zach Martin could play tackle. He's a 12 or whatever, eight, I don't know, more than five-time all-pro at right guard. (laughs) I think it worked out pretty well. So if he's a better guard, I put him at guard. If he's a better tackle, put him at tackle. Um, That's one guy that stood out a little bit. I think Devondre Sweat has an interesting couple of days. Uh, yesterday, it seemed like he wasn't winning very often. And then it felt like he heard all the feedback and he crumpled people today. He literally, I think it was the Arkansas center. He drove him until he looked like a pretzel in the ground in their one-on-one drill. So that's, that's that's a clean win. (laughs) So he had a few of those. He's like 360 pounds as well. He refused to weigh in. Makes you wonder a little bit. Is there a weight concern? But looked pretty good today. I think he had a lot of wins. So I think those are two guys that stood out a little bit. I think um, a couple of the other tackles, Jalen Guyton kind of looked like he stood out. I'm not fully up to date on the senior bowl, but um, oh, Lad McConkey, he stood out. He's, he's doing the crazy, the crazy feet drills, the one-on-ones and he's running real routes, which I'm impressed by. He's not doing like triple moves. So he's doing like just clean cuts and winning the Toledo corner. I think people liked what he did. So I'm just trying to name guys that I saw clips of that look like they had a pretty good day. And uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think he's shot up some boards too. It seemed like uh, Brandon Thorne said he had the best day yesterday. And then I think I saw somebody say he might have just kind of <laughs> did that and left. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was there today. I mean, it, it's huge. I do, I do think the Senior Bowl is, is huge for a lot of, um, you know, some of these guys who – 
maybe we're not thinking about when we are looking at some of these draft boards or your first round grades. What does that look like after the senior bowl? Then you'll have the combine. Not, not all these star players are going to go to the senior bowl, but it's still really good when it comes to offensive linemen, some of these corners, the secondary group. Um, everything's really a possibility for the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's something I truly feel like they value. I know there are secondary coaches down there coaching the cornerbacks mm-hmm. and the safeties. Um, I don't think that's off the table for the Cincinnati Bengals, um, especially. Is there how- any round one guys out there? I don't know if it's going to be round one, but yeah. I still think there's a possibility that they add another corner. You you can mm-hmm. always add corners. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't have a, a third outside guy or a backup nickel that are like locked into those roles. So if you're talking like round four, round round five, like that's and that's a lot of senior bowl guys, too. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they, they still look at the secondary. I still believe, I we've already talked about Dax Hill, but I truly believe they believe in him at the safety position, given so Jordan battle. What a rookie year. So I'm, I'm believing in that crew, but I still think they need to add another cornerback and maybe even additional safety because who knows what they'll do with Nick Scott. Um, I, I do think that he's probably out the door after one year, but um, overall, you know, some of these senior bowl guys just, Keeping an eye out for that Duke Tobin's been down there. I know Elizabeth Blackburn goes down there too, and she was down there with Duke. I'm sure plenty of other Bengals staff members, the stick quarterback coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, also, been he has been busy this week too. So outside of that, when you think of offensive linemen, any of the tight end group stand out for you? It feels like a really light class. No, I, I haven't seen anything on these tight ends, to be honest with you. Have you yeah. seen any tight ends that have done anything and stood out? Because it's I don't Kate, think it's a clip. Has he, is still, he there? I think he's there. Okay. Yeah, I I've heard his name. Yeah, he should be there, I would think. Um, he's obviously not a first-round tight end. But I um, I think of Jim Nagy actually mentioned this a couple weeks ago, talking about this NFL draft class being kind of different, not a whole lot of depth because of the COVID years. You're getting an extra year of eligibility. So it kind of feels like, this one isn't loaded right in the middle rounds. And the Cincinnati Bengals have a lot of draft picks this year, what feels like a lot of draft picks, and they don't really like to give a lot away. But this would be the perfect year if they decide, you know what, we want to move up. We want to move up yeah. to top 15. Let's give away some of our mid-round picks. I think somebody would have to start sliding, right? Like if Brock Bowers slid to 12 to 13, and then you kind of go, like, we're calling it. Come on, come on, give us Bowers, give us Bowers. Or and I haven't watched him. Maybe he's actually poo-poo, but I think uh, everybody seems to agree he's really good. <laughs> but uh, other guys too, Roma Dunze, um, mm-hmm. he's Olu seems like people are trying to move him down. So if he ends up at 15, do you just kind of pull the trigger and go, all right, look. <laughs> Let's stop the slide. <laughs> Let's get in there and get ourselves a new tackle. Well, I truly believe, and I it can. I know we talked about it on the last podcast. I do believe if Dalton Kincaid would have been there, that they would have taken him. So I, I think there is a huge possibility if Bowers slips or he falls to 18. Um, you really want, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals right now, you really want these quarterbacks who haven't had a great showing at the Senior Bowl so far. You want them to just skyrocket. You want all of these teams in need of a quarterback to just go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Some of these offensive line will end, like Joel will, will go in the top five, top six. Mm-hmm. He'll be gone. You know, you start to think about those other position groups that, uh, believe me, I would take an offensive lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals. But for some of these guys to just go off the board in wide receivers, like Malik Neighbors will go in probably the top six, top five. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, I, I, it's all going to just change in the next three months. But if, if Brock is there in the top 15, 
you're the Cincinnati Bengals. You really got to think about, you got to move up. You got to be aggressive. This is an absolute huge year for them. They're not putting all in. I, I don't think when it comes to the team, because I still think they have plenty of valuable pieces on the offense and defensive side, but they have holes. They, they have to fill. They still need a lot of depth in, in other positions. It's still a, a big offseason for them. But you have to be aggressive. They've moved up before in the second round when they wanted their guy Cam Taylor Britt. I think it paid off for them. Do it in the first round. You win those extra couple games, which we had said, you know, when Joe Burrow went out, that could actually kind of hurt them. And it kind of feels like it did going to 18. Um, but they're there. And they can't do anything about it until draft night. So we'll see what that looks like for them. And you wonder if anybody will call about T. Higgins on draft weekend because they're already going to have to have the franchise tag on him. Um, what does that look like? What do you get for him? Does another team want to pick it up? You know, are they extending him? Do you, do you have conversations with AFC teams? I know Trevor Lawrence is a story that was out today. Calvin Ridley, um, the Jags front office is really disappointed with his production, what he was able to offer. And they're looking for a big wide receiver. I feel like, I feel like when I read that, I was like, I feel like these guys don't normally crap on their former players like this. But, but the way they were just describing T Higgins and, who does T Higgins yeah, know? T Law reunion. I'm sure. I'm sure the Jags are interested. I'm sure they're interested. If he was a free agent, that would be my pick. Where I think mm-hmm. I think that's who would pay him. Yeah. But he's not a free agent, and I wonder if the Bengals would want to trade him there. It would be top twenty pick, maybe, and maybe that's where you get like uh, this isn't a great day three draft. Maybe throw in a fifth and T, and then get that pick. I'm fine with that, where, where I am. Got, imagine if you got a wide receiver and Brock Bowers, or you got a wide receiver or That's Brock overkill. Bowers in an offensive lineman. I'm into that. Brock Bowers and the wide receiver feels like overkill to me. We're, we're going to have, have too many rookie pass catchers out there. We would tell them to settle down. Like, you guys are right now. You but, yeah, it. if you could get Brock Bowers and then maybe you get the Fuaga guy or maybe you go get Mims or Latham or something and see so fix the right tackle long-term, you get the best tight end that they've drafted since Eifert. Sure. Like, that feels like a sure thing to me. Only thing I'll say, it felt like in the draft last year, for the most part, tight ends went higher than we thought. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not Kincaid, Kincaid and Mayor. I don't know. I mean, like Kincaid went around where he was projected. Mayor fell a tiny bit. Washington fell, but it was medicals. And then you think about the other guys where Sam Laporta went higher than we thought. I know he was awesome and everybody's going to try to work their way backwards. And be like, ah, I knew it type of thing. But they are. He went, he went higher than we thought. Luke yeah. Musgrave, uh, Tucker Craft, um, Brenton Strange. Like all these tight ends went higher than we thought. And then you go back to the year before. No, not the year before, but the year before that, you know, Kyle Pitts. People talk about the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. He went like, he went four. So <laughs> they should have taken Jamar Chiefs. And I'm yeah, so glad they did probably. it. But yeah, I'm that's so that's one thing is I think I don't think Bowers will fall. That's my only thought on it. Is just I feel like the NFL isn't gonna overthink that one. And they value okay. tight ends. Tight ends are getting really valued right now because I think everybody wants to try to do a little bit of 12 personnel, have one of those dudes at tight end. I know that Joe Burrow likes Tanner Hudson. So, you know, I, I and I know he's not their answer and he's going to become a Dalton Kincaid or anything like that or a Travis Kelsey or Kittle. But I do think it's important to, to bring him and sample back. And then you add another tight end. If you're if you're not going to do it in a draft that's not tight end heavy, you got to do it in free agency. 
and there should be plenty of guys available. Um, so we'll see what that looks like for them. But I do, I, I didn't value the tight end position enough last year because I thought it was all going to be okay. And now I, I, I value the tight end. Sunday night football. That Sunday night football game was a tight end crazy game for the Cincinnati Bengals. When you think of Tanner Hudson, you think of Drew Sample, even Irv Smith. It was it was so much fun, and they really utilized it there. So I do think that's extremely important for Joe Burrow this offseason, you know, outside of adding offensive linemen and then um, probably another wide receiver. But we'll move on to the current offensive linemen next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals are going into this offseason with what feels like Jonah Williams will be gone, so they'll need a right tackle replacement. We'll get a better picture for them. Um, I've said it before, and I know you've said it plenty of times, and you look back on the draft history. They aren't good at drafting offensive linemen. I do not trust them. Even if the guy is just sitting right there, you think you can't mess this up. You can't mess this up. See the cam. Um, see Jackson Carmen draft when plenty of guys were available, and they made the mistake of not drafting the quality guys available, and it didn't work for them. Um, to be determined, maybe Jackson Carmen is back for another depth depth piece um, this offseason. But you've got to add. Got to have a couple healthy scratches. You, you've got to. I, I don't even know if they're sold on Cordell Wilson right now at the guard position. But that isn't even the main um, scary part of this offensive lineman going into next year. And I'm not even that. I shouldn't use the word scared. But not having your right tackle because Jonah Williams is going to be gone is a little scary. Um, I just I don't trust them in the draft. I really don't. When you think of some of the free agents who are available, you know, what are you doing? Because you had Orlando Brown Jr. who was OK. And then Jonah mm -hmm. Williams is gone. How do you evaluate kind of where they're sitting right now? I think the Orlando Brown thing was he is probably, I mean, he's the best offensive tackle play for the team since Whitworth, but like, that's just a lower bar than like, that sounds exciting. And I think I put it in my article on this end because it sounds cool. It sounds awesome. Um, but it's also like, yeah, if you get an above average guy, he's the best offensive tackle they've had since Whitworth. So it's true technically, but don't think he's Whitworth. Um, he's like a, he's, he's a pretty good player. It's, I think the injury hurt, he was, I thought, the best offensive lineman the first couple of weeks. Then he got hurt. He hurt the groin, and it felt like it took away a lot of the stuff that he does well, and he became not the best offensive lineman on the team. And towards the end of the year, I thought he kind of turned it back around. He had a pretty nice finish to the season. It's just that middle part was low, and I think that can be explained with the injury. Right tackle, this goes without saying, not on the team right now. Like That is just – they don't have a guy that they should put out there week one. I mean, it would probably be a liability and probably want to take Joe out. Joe would be insurance. like, mm, yeah. I'm not ready to come back yet. Yeah, yeah. Joe at least would take out an insurance claim or something about his physical <laughs> health. But, uh, I mean, do they even have the swing guy on the roster? No. I don't know. Like, it doesn't feel like it, but that's what they went with last year. It's just the guys didn't really get hurt. So if they did have to leave it wasn't it cody ford that came in so yeah he came in for orlando brown for a couple snaps in the seahawks game uh, and I'm, i hope i'm not butchering his name uh jermaine um Illuminor. Illuminor. yeah uh, but they need a starter and maybe a swing guy though right like i think he'd be a good swing guy guess i think so too yeah i think some people are going as far to say like he's better than jonah because they're reading pff scores and whatnot i think jonah is better like clearly to me in my eyes from what i've seen 
and that's fine because I think Jonah is a solid starting offensive tackle. I think Illuminor is fine. I think you could you could start him this year and be fine. I don't think that you pull him in there and he's like not going to perform. Um, but I do think that we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on what we think of him sometimes. Yeah. Overall, though, I'd be fully into that signing. He got a one-year, $3 million deal last year. Do you offer him two years, $10 million total, so like five per season? Like, yeah, I don't know if he would take that or maybe you got to push it to 12 or something, but it feels like he's not going to break your bank. He's going to – I would think at least be half of what Jonah gets average per season. I remember, well, he even said it just a couple of days ago because he played, you know, for the Raiders and he said, I, I want to play the Chiefs when it matters. Yeah. To beat them when it matters. And I'm like, well, that tweet would just be absolutely perfect for a future Cincinnati Bengals offensive lineman and um, kind of add him to the other side. I agree with you. And say you draft a rookie right tackle, maybe it's in the first round or the second round because it feels like a more, more of an offensive line class than we've, um, you know, had over the last few years. And yep. you you draft the rookie and you don't you don't tell him like, you know what, day one, you better be ready. Um, you can slowly get him in there as a rookie right tackle of your future right tackle and have a guy like Jermaine out there as your At right least tackle. You start the year, yeah. And then maybe you do like the bye week switch or something. Yeah, yeah that's fine. I I know you said that they don't draft they don't draft well. I also think they don't try. <laughs> like that was my other part of this. And I know people bring up the Billy Price thing and all like that's almost a decade ago, guys. It we is no, it's not a decade ago yet. It's almost a decade ago though. We we gotta let that one go. We gotta let yeah, those right. go. Like if if the first round picks you're naming that they whiffed on were from 10 years ago or eight years ago, like okay, those barely count. Like, do you hold Andre Caldwell against their ability to draft a wide receiver? No. Andre Caldwell, a uh, John Ross. John Ross, yeah, I think some people would hold that. I guess <laughs> <laughs> they, should, they should, honestly. Uh, but there, you know, there, there. I've ever heard this before. Frank Pollock likes guys, and I think the front office needs to take what Frank Pollock says. I think they need to let him pick. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Carmen was his pick. I think Volson was his pick. Yeah. But I think the Carmen thing just—it's got so much stench around it of like a weird situation. Cincinnati where guy they called Paul Alexander. He's a Cincinnati guy. It felt like an owner pick. Like it felt like Mike Brown really wanted him, and and maybe Duke. I, I don't know. But it just felt like they kind of went behind. Like if it, it almost feels to me like Frank gave him like I'm not sure about this one. And he kind of like ah, I'm gonna go get the second sort. You know, like when, a, when somebody gets hurt, they go like ah, I'm getting a second opinion on this because <laughs> I want to hear the good thing. Frank's picks are starting in the NFL right now and or the people who, you know, who he, he wanted in that, in that draft are, are quality offensive linemen. So the guy who's working, who has worked in the NFL for quite some time, the guy who's going to be coaching them, I think he should have more of an input. Yeah. I, I truly do. And I, and I hope that's different this year because they need a right tackle. They can even look at the guard position. You Cordell played better towards the end of yeah. last year. And that's fine if they have to roll Cordell out. But if there's competition, there's competition and you need center. You need a center future. Not to say that Ted Harris is not the center next year. He is, but you he's that's it after next year. You've got to have a yeah. replacement. Yeah. Um, the center guard thing is interesting because there's two guys that they could look at at 18. Um, but the, the Jackson Powers Johnson, if he mm -hmm. keeps climbing up, destroying the senior bowl and keeps moving his way up. That where it might be where you have to take him if you want him. 
and he's big. He's like 330 pounds. You could put him at guard and you could also not play him this year. Like there's quite a bit of options there. That's what the, uh, the Eagles just did with Cam Jurgens, where they drafted him as Kelsey's replacement. And then Kelsey played that year. And then Kelsey played the next year. <laughs> so it's going to take a little while for him to get onto the field. He got on the field as a guard, but I think they want him to be a center. So he might force his way next year onto the field. But if he doesn't, that's okay. And then the following season, you've got a center for the future who has been sitting in and improving. It's not like we should know offensive linemen typically don't stay healthy all 17 games. All five of them don't stay healthy. all 17 Of course, games, the year so. that Joe Burrow goes down that stays healthy, which is. Yeah, they did stay the most healthy they've been. Um, but yeah, for Volson, I thought he started the year poor and it was really hit. It's in like the worst point in that Rams game. And I know it was Aaron Donald, but it was other guys too. And he had a lot of help against Aaron Donald and he was losing so quick that Donald, that the help never came. And that's unacceptable. But then he turned it around. I felt like the middle part of the year, it was kind of all right. And then a little bit later in the year, started playing good. And that's what they needed. So when you look at him, when I'm looking at him, I'm seeing fine. I'm seeing you don't need to replace this guy. And there's possibility he improves more and keeps getting better because he's a small school guy, et cetera. I don't think that means he precludes you from drafting. Like if you love Jax Paris Johnson or Graham Barton's another guy from Duke, where I think they said his arms are too short to really play tackle, even though that's where he played. So he's probably an interior guy or Troy Fontenot, who I think nobody has really talked much about, but he's another guy that I think people are projecting inside. If, if Frank and the front office and whoever loves one of these guys and they, they're like, that's the best player right now. I would say take him. And let him compete with Cordell. If they lose the battle, there's still an interior spot open next season uh, because because of the Ted Karras contract. And, I mean, the worst possible outcome is like, well, that guy can't play center because they didn't take Jack Sparrow's shots. Uh, None of the other guys can snap and set. Alex Kappa in two years, you know, they still have another guy that will be coming up. Yeah. I would be a little concerned if they couldn't beat out Cornell and then they couldn't play center. I'd be like, okay, we got to be a little bit worried here going into year three. We got no idea who this guy is, yeah. but it's, I would say take them if that's your best player. I think that's up there with the other position. If they don't, and that goes to the other side too, because I think one of these tackles will be available. And some people said Fuaga is an interior guy. So that's another one. Maybe you take him and put him inside, but I don't think Cordell should preclude you from that. I think he's fine. The best way to build quality depth is to take guys who are at a fine starting level, and that's now your your backup for the interior. That's now your backup for the offensive tackle. That's what we just talked about with the two guys where let's say your offseason ends up and you have a Luminor and you have Cordell, and let's say you drafted um, – let's say you drafted Fuaga, because it seems like a popular one, in round one, but you like him at left guard. And now he's starting at left guard and Cordell's the backup interior guy. And then second round came and you got Jalen Guyton, who you just went crazy on offensive linemen. Now you have developed good depth though, because you've got a quality backup at tackle and a quality backup on the interior. Look at what the chiefs just had to do with Nick Allegretti. He came in there and he played well. So yeah, having, having a guy that can step in and provide quality play in a pinch is key. 
you can't do that by not trying to get better. I think if you're just, if you're just going to go out there and kind of like, Oh, we can't draft that guy or sign that guy because that means this player won't start anymore. That's how you're not going to build depth that way. And you, you need to start saving money in that, in that area. And offensive linemen get expensive. So going, you, if these guys are playing on rookie deals, that would be absolutely huge for them at right tackle. So we'll see what that looks like. But, um, you know, we're getting closer. Less than three months until NFL draft night, like I mentioned before. Senior Bowl content. You'll have plenty of stuff over on All Bengals, your Twitter account. Make sure you're following Mike Bengals underscore Sands. Thank you for listening, too. It's always game day in Cincinnati.